Edify means to enlighten, encourage, and uplift individuals intellectually, morally, and spiritually. And that's exactly what our Edify podcast guests do as they share practical wisdom on living our faith in public. I'm Scott Landry. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the Edify podcast. Our guest is Sister Virginia Joy. Sister Virginia Joy entered the Sisters of Life in 2009, and she currently serves as as the director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of New York. She has served women experiencing crisis pregnancies at the Sisters Visitation Mission in Manhattan. Prior to joining the Sisters of Life, Sister Virginia Joy was a guidance counselor and coach in Catholic education, serving troubled teens. Welcome, Sister Virginia Joy. Thank you so much, Scott, for having me. So you grew up substantially in South Carolina. When in your life, was it as a young child or a teenager or after college when you experienced the vocation to religious life for the Sisters of Life? Yeah. Um, yeah. Growing up in the South, I wasn't around religious and never had kind of an experience with religious, didn't think about it ever. And um, it wasn't until college when I was really uh, first opening myself up to what God's plans were for my life, that, that his plans would be infinitely better than mine. <laughs> And um, after college, I moved to L.A. I worked in Wyoming with troubled teens, as you said, and then back to South Carolina as a coach and guidance counselor and really kind of was restless and and wondering what what God's plan for my life was. I was having a lot of fun and um, good friends, but there was something missing. And I remember I had been taught um, that the most powerful moment of the mass is, is um, the consecration when, when Jesus becomes truly present, uh, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And that when the priest, you know, um, this is my body given up for you, and he elevates it, elevates our Lord. And it's like heaven and earth are meeting. And that at that moment is when you give the desires of your heart to the Lord. And so I had this moment, you know, just in my home parish in South Carolina, um, where the, I had kind of a, a litany that I would say, you know, usually you only have like two seconds to get the desires of your heart out. And um, this one particular Sunday, I remember our priest, it seemed like he left our Lord elevated for a long time. And I had to, time to freestyle my normal litany. And, and out of that, out of the desires of my heart, I remember praying for my religious vocation. And I was shocked. I was like, what? Like, where is this coming from? How could this be? And... You know, when you receive a grace from the Lord, you can often try to talk yourself out of it. So I'm like, oh, you're so dramatic. That was your imagination. But I knew I'd be denying something of myself if I didn't look into it. And I'd certainly be be denying the Lord. And um, so that was kind of the first moment where I thought, oh, my gosh, here's me giving the desires of my heart to the Lord. And he's he's revealing something I've never considered. And so it was that kind of moment um, was sort of the initial and then two years later, um, is after, you know, sort of the discernment process, which there's a whole another story to, um, I received a, a sort of a, a final definitive grace and adoration when I was visiting the Sisters of Life and quit my job the next day and uh, entered in, in 2009. What about the ministry of the Sisters of Life particularly attracted you that you took to prayer and then let God confirm that that's where you were, that's the particular community you were called to? Um, so every religious community has what's called a charism. So a gift of the Holy Spirit given, um, to meet a particular need of our time and to upbuild the church. And so as sisters of life, our charism is the charism of life. And certainly before I entered, I had been involved in pro-life work. Um, 
but but it, it's so much more than that. It's so much more profound, really, the, um, the idea that every person is known, loved, chosen by God. And working with teens for six years, um, seeing them really wrestle with those questions and knowing sort of my own wrestling with like, where does my worth come from? Where does my value come from? Um, and, and only, like I can only build a life on the fact that my worth, my dignity, my value, everything comes from God. And the charism just, it resonated in so many ways, I would say, um, that it just, um, the Lord was merciful too. I didn't have to look at all these communities. I just knew um, when I encountered the Sisters of Life and the charism of life, um, that, that that's where I was meant to be and, and where to how I was meant to spend myself in love. Some of our podcast listeners would certainly be familiar with the Sisters of Life's work over the 30, 30 or so years mm -hmm. since your founding, but some are new to hearing about the Sisters of Life. Perhaps they've, they've not been uh, to the Northeast yeah. for the most part, or they're from out, outside the United States. Give us a sense of the size and scope of the Sisters of Life besides New York City. Where, where are you? Okay. And how many uh, women are part of the Sisters of Life? Okay. We started in 1991. So um, we were founded by John Cardinal O'Connor in New York uh, in 1991. Um, but since then, we've kind of, we've been able to spread the charism elsewhere. So we're primarily in New York, but we're also now in Toronto, um, Denver, Connecticut, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and we just opened a place in Phoenix. Um, so we're slowly spreading. There's about, there's just over 120 of us. Um, and again, all of our formations there in New York, but we're a contemplative active community. So Prayer is our primary sort of focus and work or, um, or life. Um, prayer isn't work, but it's life. And, and from that flows all of our missions. So we get to work with women who are pregnant and in need, often struggling with the decision to make an have an abortion. Um, then on the flip side, we work with women who have had an abortion and are suffering. Uh, we do retreat ministry. We do college evangelization, um, works within the diocese, you know, kind of, there's, there's a lot of, um, nuances. Everyone needs the charism of life, ourselves included, you know. So some people listening might assume that working with women who are uh, contemplating abortion, yeah. that what you're trying to do is to just talk them out of it, uh, to choose life. But there's so much more that the mm. Sisters of Life do. Uh, share some of that work to walk with those women uh, for many months leading past the delivery of their baby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yes, this isn't, um, it's not a debate or an argument or like we don't look at a woman who comes to us as a, as a, a project or something to solve. Um, but really, we receive her. Um, and we often say we listen her back into life. Our goal is really to um, reveal to her what it is that we see in her, this, this unique individual, unrepeatable, irreplaceable so we often say that we'll, we, we delight in her. You know, we kind of act as a mirror, reflecting back to her what it is that we see so that she can kind of come to know um, the beauty and gift of her own life. Because frankly, like, we can't receive the gift of life or recognize and reverence life if we don't first know our own dignity and worth. And so I think, I think that's what surprises people. You're right about um, working with pregnant women um, the goal really is for her to know she's loved and then that, that she can then go love another, which would be her child. And from that, we've seen unbelievable things. We've seen women um, really be set free and knowing that they're loved 
and and really coming into their own as a mother capable of so much more than they ever imagined. You have many cooperators that help out uh, the, the missions of the sisters with so many practical things mm -hmm. to help the woman, to counsel the father of the baby. Share some of that, please. Yeah, I think we really quickly learned um, there's so many women that, that, that need to be served and deserve to be walked with um, that we couldn't do it alone and that other people have a share in this charism as well. So we have what we call coworkers of life um, that kind of go through a training process with us. And, and yeah, they, they have the opportunity to walk with women in a way that might be natural to them, whether it's um, meeting just, you know, very practical needs or maybe more emotional supportive needs, you know, really calling her, you know, being in touch with her, being a support to her. But we aren't just there when she chooses um, life. You know, we're with her throughout. Um, we have a, a policy we say of non-abandonment. I mean, we're with these women, um, whether they're in the delivery room as they're having their baby, they might have no one else. And so we come, we suit up and are there for the delivery. But then, then after life and the birthdays and in the, um, all the milestones of their life, however long they need us. And for some, they become family and it's, it's sort of a forever project. But again, we have these lay people, men and women like yourself, who will walk with us and walk with these women. And build beds, some lawyers yeah, just yeah. helping with Actually, legal uh, paperwork advice. and yes. all the different things that, that mm -hmm. go with that. So many different ways to help these women right. uh, to thrive, to flourish, not exactly. just to choose life. And that is that has a huge impact because, you know, the women see us as sisters, like, oh, you have to you have to love me or be with me, and then. But when they when they see a you know a man or woman who's not a religious who desires to help them, who believes in them, I mean it is it is so striking for this woman to experience love in that particular way. So um, yeah, we, we 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 work really closely with our coworkers of life, and uh, yeah, it's such a privilege. One of the other things you mentioned is you help women who have had an abortion earlier in their life yes. to receive the healing love of, of God through mm -hmm. others walking with them, the sisters walking with them, often receiving Jesus's mercy directly in the sacrament mm -hmm. of confession. It's one of the most beautiful ministries in the church in many dioceses, it's mm -hmm. called Project Rachel. There are other names. But talk sure. about the work of the sisters there and why it takes so long for some women to want to come and receive Jesus's mercy and yeah. the love of the Catholic community mm -hmm. to walk with them. Yeah, I think um, we call it our hope and healing mission, working with women who are pregnant and in need, or I'm sorry, we call it our hope and healing mission, working with women um, who are suffering after an abortion. And we find that women who have had an abortion and are suffering, um, it's often such a hidden grief because abortion is so acceptable in our society. The grief is not. It's often seen as, um, you know, it's not okay for you to be grieving that you've had this abortion. So often it's done in silence, alone, in total isolation. And it really can be years, um, even, even decades for them to finally um, reach a place where they can, they can reach out for help. And we've had priests who work with us in all of our missions and they'll say, sisters, your, your most powerful mission is this hope and healing mission with women who are suffering from abortion. And it's the most powerful because God is so powerful. You know, he says, behold, I make all things new. And these, we see it in these women's lives who have had an abortion, who um, can only be made new through the tenderness and love and mercy of Jesus Christ. 
And um, I mean, yeah, just just miracles we've witnessed. How often does the woman who come uh, come to you uh, after having suffered with an abortion say something like, I didn't think that there was mercy for me. I thought that abortion was too big of a sin for God to forgive me. Oh my gosh, absolutely, yeah. And um, every woman that comes to us finds it unbelievable that she can that she can be received with love, that she's worthy of love after having had an abortion. She doesn't believe it's possible that God can forgive her, that others can forgive and love her, that her child, um, who you know we believe now is with the Lord in His presence, can forgive her. Um, so uh, it's it's again it's this unbelievable experience for her to to encounter God in this tender, loving way, and for her to come and know that there's there's nothing she's done. Nothing um, that she will ever do that that can that can, you know, separate her from God's love. Ultimately, you mentioned that the Sisters of Life was started in 1991 by Cardinal John O'Connor, mm-hmm. and many people don't know the story of what inspired him to begin the Sisters of Life. He had gone to a concentration camp. Please share a little bit more about his inspiration. Sure. Yeah, we always talk about. Um, his Cardinal, Cardinal O'Connor with two founding graces that he received really in receiving the charism. And the first one was in um, the late seventies when he had just become a bishop, he was on retreat and he was uh, staying at a Carmelite monastery near Dachau, the concentration camp. And as he's visiting um, this concentration camp for anybody who's been, you know, it's a very sobering uh, sort of heart wrenching experience. And he's walking the grounds very reverently, silently. And at one point he went into where the crematorium ovens were and he placed his hands inside one of the crematorium ovens. And he said, he really described it as a mystical experience. He said he felt the intermingled ashes of Jew and Christian, of rabbi, priest, and minister. And he was so overwhelmed. He said it was like he was pierced to the heart and he cried out to the Lord, good God, how could human beings do this to one another? And he recognized that it's still happening, this kind of contempt for human life. And he made at that moment, like a a, kind of a vow or a promise to the Lord that he would do anything and everything for the rest of his life to defend the sacredness of human life. And so he he did, he came back to the States and he really was uh, a voice for the pro-life movement here in the US. And, And he saw there was so much great work being done, but he recognized something was missing. And, and he, he took this to prayer and he was praying with the gospel of Mark chapter nine, where Jesus has sent the disciples out, heal the sick, cast out demons. And there's one particular demon that they can't cast out. And so Jesus himself casts the demon out of this, this little boy. And he says, the disciples ask him later, you know, why Lord, couldn't we do this? And he says, because some demons can only be driven out by prayer and fasting. And at that moment in prayer, Cardinal O'Connor recognized that this wasn't just a personal grace for himself. This was one for the whole church. That contempt for human life was truly a demon that could only be driven out by prayer and fasting. And he would say he knew in that moment he was being called to found a religious community of women who would lay down their lives, their own wombs, so that others might have life. And I get choked up thinking about it, but he would say, and he'd tease us too, that this was the last thing he wanted to do. He'd been in the military nearly, you know, 30 years to start a community of religious women, um, was, was not in his, his dreams when he, here he is in his seventies having this realization, this powerful moment of prayer, but he had received the charism 
and was faithful to it in pursuing starting this community as Cardinal Archbishop of New York. That's why one of the many reasons he's a hero to so many Catholics mm -hmm. who are old enough to know of his leadership sure, and sure. how strongly he spoke, not only on the life issue, but represented the church so well mm -hmm. at a time we know now 30 years later, many of his contemporaries were not uh, acting with singular focus mm -hmm. on proclaiming God, beauty, you know, the, the beautiful teachings of the church and mm -hmm. also living the beautiful mercy of the church. So yeah. um, if you can have a founder, Cardinal John <laughs> O'Connor is a great founder to have. Um, sister, uh, the Sisters of Life uh, do so many different initiatives to, uh, to foster a culture of life. Mm -hmm. A new initiative beginning uh, spring of 2022 is a video series entitled Into Life, Love Changes Everything. Uh, you're working with the McGrath Institute for Church Life mm -hmm. at Notre Dame and the Camp Campo Film uh, team to bring a 12-part video series based on your work. Tell us a little bit more about Into Life. So the McGrath Institute with Notre Dame that we're so grateful to be working with, they did a study on abortion in America and kind of the thoughts around abortion in America. And the results of their finding were really interesting. Uh, and you can find much more on their website. But really, it went into that people aren't talking about abortion or that they don't have knowledge of how women who are pregnant are being supported. They often think that um, pro-lifers are all about the baby and not about the woman. But it's really the idea that we can love them both and love them both really well. Um, so in working with McGrath, we sort of saw the results of the study, talked to them and um, wanting to be able to fill the gaps um, that are out there. And what's the appropriate way to serve women who are pregnant? What's uh, the best way to really love them and accompany them? And how can we all be a part of this? Because essentially it's, it's the role of all of us to build up a culture of life. So this 12-part series is essentially our, our co-worker training. So the co-worker training that we have in New York for all of our co-workers and now in Phoenix and in Philly um, is going to be digitized and, and made into these videos um, for men and women all over the world to really be able to see, um, to learn from us and our experience in these 25 years of working with women. What are the fears in the heart of a pregnant woman? How can we delight in her? How can we accompany her in the way that she most deserves? Uh, in a way that she will really uh, flourish. Um, so we're really excited about this project. And uh, as you said, it's gonna be coming out this spring, 2022. Can't wait to watch it. It comes out spring of 2022. Sister Virginia Joy, there's so much more uh, that I'd love our Edify listeners to know about the Sisters of Life, but we only have so much time on this podcast. Where can people find out more information, particularly on how they can uh, be a co-worker with you sure. or perhaps support the great work you do with vulnerable women? I would say everything, uh, whether you're suffering from uh, having had an abortion to whether you're pregnant and in need, um, or if you want to be a coworker, it's all on our website, sistersoflife.org, sistersoflife.org. Thank you, Sister Virginia Joy, and all the Sisters of Life for everything you do to edify Catholics so that we as a Catholic community can edify vulnerable women and everyone in America. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you for listening. To make it easy for you to listen to future Edify podcast episodes, please make sure you subscribe over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you.